0: Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell it like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D. I want to thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit podcast. Also, if you aren't doing, also if you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sunny D. I do apologize. I am still battling this awful cold. Uh, I think the worst of the actual kind of cold symptoms, that like feeling just shitty, um, is, is over. Uh, now I just have this kind of dry, deep voice. Uh, as I like to say, it's my sexy voice uh, going on right now. Uh, but unfortunately, it does not allow me to have that same enthusiasm on the intro. So I do apologize there if I swung and missed. Uh, but anyway, you do what you got to do. You got a motor on. So, um, just recording this uh, episode this morning. And uh, yes, anyway, let's get into it. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about poker, some general poker chit chat. Uh, I got my stress ball here to squeeze. I don't know why I say that as if, oh no, this episode is going to stress me out to talk about. But I want to talk about uh, one subject in particular, and that's consistency. And uh, the player of the year uh, race, the World Series of Poker, how it works, uh, some things to consider, and just some general discussion on it. uh, And how other um, poker series have started following suit and offering these kind of player of the series, player of the whatever uh, kind of events and uh, designations and even a prize attached to it. So I wanted to talk about that today in this episode. I think it's something to discuss uh, for all of you uh, poker fans out there, for all of you in the poker community. I think it's something to discuss, uh, something we can chat about here, and something to kind of have a better understanding of and give a little bit of analysis on. So the World Series of Poker has uh, a player of the year. Uh, every year, okay, and uh, how the Player of the Year kind of thing works is there's a point system, and now there's the the big Player of the Year. I think there's the Global Poker Index has their Player of the Year, um, which measures more than just, uh, for instance, uh, what's it called, uh, the World Series. It measures kind of every aspect. Of poker, uh, poker tournaments that com- that uh, do decide to participate in the GPI's system. Not all tournaments do, so keep that in mind as well. Uh, but nonetheless, there is a um, GPI, and the, and how the GPI works, is it takes, it gives you points. Uh, based on tournaments that are more than just the World Series. So some of the Venetian ones, the Wynn ones, some of these other tournaments also participate there. So it gives you kind of a, uh, an idea of overall tournament uh, success and prowess, not just at the World Series of Poker. Um, but right now, the World Series of Poker does have their player of the year. Um, and uh, I'm trying to find it here, if you bear with me, uh, who won it in the race in the past winners? All right, it would appear I finally have found it uh, Moving forward so this year was a bit of and this is what I want to talk about so there's a bit of a controversy this year uh, Going into it now some interesting storylines had developed uh, Throughout the world series and going into the world series this year um, and over the last few years uh, but nonetheless uh, Robert Campbell Ended up taking first place in the player of the year race followed by I'll, I'll, I'll go through the top 10. So it was Robert Campbell followed by Sean Deeb last year's winner. I guess 2019. Uh, yeah, 2018 player of the year. Uh, Daniel Nagranu in third. Anthony Zeno made a late charge and came in fourth. Philip Huey, who won the uh, Poker Players Championship, came in fifth. Daniel Zach in sixth. Dario San Martino, Super Dario, who final tabled both the World Series Poker main event in Vegas and the WSOP Europe uh, main event in Razvadov, he final tabled both. Uh, Chris Ferguson. Uh, came in eighth. Uh, you know, there's a lot of controversy surrounding, uh, Mr. Ferguson. So love him or hate him again, another top 10 finish in the player of the year, which just goes to show his consistency. I think the crazy thing is that they were talking about. It's the third straight year in which he has had a minimum of 20 caches at the world series. Uh, Cale Burns in ninth. And Dash Dudley round out the top 10. Right behind them though are some interesting names is you have David ODB Baker uh, who actually played with at a couple of events and uh, Phil Helmuth the poker brat coming in 12th uh, and you also see some other bigger name uh, big name players as well as Joseph Chong who won his first bracelet uh, in 2019. he came in 15th uh, going through here. Nick Schulman, who won another bracelet, who won his third bracelet this year, I think, in the Pot Limit Omaha high low event. Uh, he came in 25th. Ben Yu in 29th. Apeshka Da Silva, uh, who is uh, a stud, like an absolute dynamite player. Uh, one to watch, really as he uh, quietly uh, starts racking up bracelets uh, main event winner Hossein Ensan, came in 28th uh, the crazy thing is you do get a ton of points for coming for winning the main event like let's be let's just remember that it is the biggest tournament of the year therefore there are there is a considerable number of points to be had just for winning the main event or even final tabling and, and I mean in Dario's case runner up there and I think fourth over in Rozvoovv. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, player of the year for 2019 was none other than Robert Campbell. Where the controversy came in was the ra- how the race kind of finished up this year as opposed to previous, the last few years. This year, it really was down to the wire um, for any of those top three, Robert Campbell, Sean Deeb, and Daniel Negreanu. Uh Depending on who, yeah, I mean who's running the best, who's playing the best. Any one of the three could have probably won it. Anthony Zeno made a late charge, but it was, at the end of the day, a little too little too late as he would have needed to win, I believe, both the Europe main event and the Europe Colossus events just to have had a chance at it. And I think he would have needed other things. Like, he was not in control of his own destiny when it came to winning the Player of the Year this year. Uh, But he still made a good uh, push at it. Uh, Philip Huey, who had a breakout year this year, winning the PPC. I think that's his second bracelet now. Uh, But nonetheless, the controversy came from uh, that down to the wire. It came to the Colossus event, uh, where I believe all three had cashed. However, Sean Deeb um, had the chance to win it outright um, because he was the last survivor. And he did final table the Colossus. Now what I understand is there was an error in reporting going into Razvodov, where they had given Daniel Nagranu credit for one extra cash. And I mean, there's been a lot said, I'm not going to get into that aspect of it as to what happened there. But nonetheless, what happened was because of this error in calculation, Sean Deeb and his explanation was, and I, and I do understand it. Um, As a tournament player myself, as someone that does follow these kind of player of the year and player of the tour um, races, I do understand what Sean Deeb is saying here in that he was under the impression and mathematically that he needed to get to, let's say, position three or better to win player of the year. And I think he was currently ninth or 10th in chips. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Sean D was horribly sick during the World uh, Series of Poker Europe event, or series rather, and uh, was feeling like shit, but decided to stick it out, play the Colossus, go for it, and uh, try and get it. When you have to get third or better, the way you play is going to be different, because now you have to start acquiring chips. You kind of have to start thinking, well, wait a second. I can't just float into third place here. Um, it'll be harder to do that than it is to just accept your fate. I'm coming in ninth. Let's get some. Let's get some chips. Let's try to play hard here. Let's grind it out and try to move up. All right. When it was all said and done, though, and it was revealed that Daniel was credited with an extra cash, it actually changed where um, Sean Deeb had to finish. And I think let's say, for instance, instead of having to finish third or better, he would have only had to finish in like seventh or better, meaning he only had to move up like one or two pay spots. In that case, as he said, you're willing, and I agree with this, you are willing to milk your stack a little bit, nurse that stack, wait and see how things play out, and kind of move forward from there. I get all of that. And in turn, it, it does become a bit of an issue where, you know, you... If you're Sean Deep, you do feel kind of cheated in a way because you're like, well, wait a second. If I nee- knew I, that's all I needed to do, I probably could have done it and made history. There was a chance for two players to make history this year: Sean Deep and Daniel Negreanu, who have probably the biggest ongoing rivalry or current rivalry in poker. And there have been rivalries in poker before um with big name players smaller name players whatever it is there have been rivalries in poker before it makes for some interesting poker play it makes for some great banter at the table um having played an event where sean Deeb and daniel Negreanu were at adjacent tables um made for some very interesting poker play this summer um i ended up playing in an event where i had sean Deeb to my right um when i was short stacked it actually made my tournament easier People would be like, oh my God, how do you survive that? It was actually easier for me. Sean Deeb was going to make all my decisions for me. Like <laughs> At the end of the day, that's how that worked out. I was so happy when I saw he was to my right versus to my left. And I talked to um, uh, my buddy uh, Token Tony about it. And I had said, hey, I, I actually think this could be a, a bit of a... I mean, I'm at a huge disadvantage. He has like 10 times the amount of chips that I do. But I'd rather him be to my right and force my action versus to the left and try to gauge and then have to react to his subsequent um, reactions to my action. So I was happier to have Sean Deeb um, kind of be the one to force and press the action on me. Um, But nonetheless, Sean Deeb had the chance to win back-to-back player of the years, which has never been done. Daniel Negreanu had the chance to win a third player of the year And as far as I'm looking here is the only person to have won more than one player of the year. Now, the craziest part about this, um, for Sean Deeb and Daniel Negreanu, Sean Deeb came second this year. That is an unbelievable two-year run at the World Series of Poker. I just want to make that very clear. Absolutely crystal clear but that that is an unbelievable run to make. I don't think enough can be said for how good a run that that is to go on and have first winning player of the year in 2018 and being runner-up in 2019. I think a big congratulations there, and that's a hell of an accomplishment for Sean Deeb. And whether you like him or not, it's a hell of an accomplishment. I think we have to give credit where credit is due. Having met Sean Deeb, I mean, the guy did nothing wrong to me, so I I got along with him just fine. I think he, you know what I get along with Sean Deeb. He's actually kind of a Sunny B kind of guy, um, for whatever uh, that's worth. But I I, I didn't mind Sean Deeb at all. I have nothing bad to say about Sean Deeb. Um, and I met Daniel Negranu again. Though um, their fights between them. Um nothing bad to say about Daniel. He was nice, he took some pictures. Uh it was late, it was middle of the night. Uh, I think I might have even made an appearance on his vlog uh during the Deuce to seven triple draw. I said this is what you have to do to get on the uh Daniel Negranu vlog is make it to two AM at the World Series of Poker. And I was kind of making uh making some jokes there. Uh but nonetheless uh, it, 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 it's just, it's, it's always wonderful when you're at the world series and yet to see some of these players that you have either grown up watching, um, have studied from who have impacted your poker career in a way. <coughs> um, but nonetheless, when it comes to player of the year, um, we had some history being made. Now they had started their banter long before the world series had even begun. And this year I had predicted there was going to be a lot of events. There was 83 bracelet events in Vegas 14 over in Europe uh, for a total of 97 bracelets handed out this year. Um, Sean Deeb, I don't think, won a single bracelet this year, actually, which is interesting. But nonetheless, in uh, order Daniel Negreanu, uh, I think Robert Campbell did. So out of the top three, actually, because I think Anthony Zeno, I'm just going to check here on bracelet winners. I do believe Anthony Zeno did win a bracelet this year. Um, I could be wrong, but I'm looking here, and I'm not... I think it was in a PLO event. Um, Actually, uh, funny enough, I was actually at the same table for the Deuce to 7 single draw against Sean uh, Swingruber, who ended up winning the uh, 10K heads up. Uh, So, I guess congratulations to Sean for that. Uh, But let's see... uh, here, yeah, Frankie Odell won his third Omaha high low eight or better bracelet. Uh, it's for the most ever. There, three Ellie Elezra got a bracelet again this year. Um, his fourth actually, uh, he won one last year, actually. Too Ellie's been uh, slowly climbing up there. Uh, Mike Mizraki won his fifth, uh, bracelet, uh, which is crazy. Um in uh, uh, 1,500, seven-card stud, uh, high-low, eight-or-better. Ah, Canadian Greg Mueller won the 10K horse. Robert Campbell did win a bracelet. He won the uh, the 1,500 limit, deuced to seven triple draw, which was an event I was in, so uh, that's pretty crazy. Uh, Joseph Chong won... Uh, yeah, Peshka got a bracelet. I think that was either his third or his fourth. <coughs> um, John Hennigan won his sixth bracelet or seventh. Uh, now, John Hennigan is a hell of a player. Arguably, in my opinion, one of the most consistent, if not the best overall player in the game, tournament player right now in the game. <clears> hmm. <throat> Dash Dudley won a PLO bracelet. I know that. Philip Huey won the uh, Poker Place Championship. Yes, Anthony Zeno did win. He won the fifteen hundred pot limit Omaha high low uh, eight or better, uh, which in my is my toughest game. That's the game I view as being the toughest. Now, some people would disagree with me. Uh, Scott Seaver won the ten K Raz uh, second straight year with a bracelet uh, for uh, <clears throat> Mister Seaver. Uh, and I, and actually his last two bracelets have come in 10 K events. Nick Shulman won his third bracelet in the 10 K, uh, limit in Omaha, high, low, eight or better. David ODB Baker won the limit, the 1500 limit hold'em, uh, an event that I will probably be playing this year. Aha. Robert Campbell won two bracelets actually. Uh, the 10 K seven card stud high, low, eight or better. So, uh, as we keep going here, Yuha Helpy I believe got his Yeah. I think this was his first. First uh, WSOP bracelet after he came second in, I believe, the exact same event last year, the 10K limit hold'em. Uh, so congratulations to Yuha, uh, player I grew I was watching when I was much younger. So uh, congratulations to Yuha, helpy there. As I go through here, yeah. So Robert Campbell, um, as I had said, was the um only of the top three to win um bracelets the crazy thing about that is um now it it is again that he was a bracelet winner last year Sean Deeb won two bracelets and went on to win the player of the year uh what would have been interesting is Sean Deeb or Daniel Negreanu if they had one player of the year would have been the first time a player of the year one player of the year without uh winning a bracelet that would have been uh, a first as well so a lot of history was uh said to be was was about to be made this year uh when you when you look at the player of the year race uh sean deeb however uh came second so let's just think let's take a look at this now as we look at the player of the year and how it's it's grown and evolved and how i want to talk about what it like that importance of consistency so in 2018 it was Sean Deeb. Let's look over his statistics. They have the some statistics here for all the winners. He won two bracelets, had five final tables. Uh, so he won 40% of the time he was at a final table. He had 20 cashes for two and a half for just uh for two and a half million and change. Just over two and a half million there. In twenty seventeen, it was Chris Ferguson, who at the time, I believe, set the record, which has now been, I think, matched by both Sean Deeb and Nagranu this year. I think they both had now done what um, Ferguson did. But Ferguson, what was going to be interesting in 2017, is he, at the time, I believe, had set the record for most cashes in an individual year. At 23, with four final tables, he went on to win a bracelet, but over in Europe... And had he not won that bracelet, uh, the big joke was going to be, is he just going to pose with all of his um, slips, which he ended up doing. His player of the year poster is him with all of his cashing slips and his bracelet on his cowboy hat, which is kind of a funny picture. I like it. Um, I'm not going to get into the personal stuff with Chris Ferguson there. Um, People, I mean, have their opinions and whatnot, and uh, that's for them. So don't want to get into that. Prior to that, though, when you start looking at this, the the, biggest, the most number of caches that anybody had had was that prior year again, but it was a drastic drop, and it was Jason Mercier. But Jason Mercier had had an unreal year in 2016. He had 11 caches, four final tables, two bracelets, and if I'm not mistaken, a third one of those final tables was a runner-up. So he had two wins and a runner-up. I'm not sure where he finished on the other final table, but that's a hell of a year. Um, and I mean, Jason Mercer went on a tear. Um, and for a while there, I mean, he was looking like he would be challenging small time records. Uh, I've gotten to play events with Jason Mercer. I've seen Jason Mercer around at the World Series. Um, I mean, and it's it's really kind of nice that him and his wife have kind of decided that they're gonna um, start a family. He has now has two uh, adorable kids. So congratulations to Jason Mercer. And a guy like Jason Mercier is never out of it. I mean, he's such a great, talented poker player and such a smart poker player. I think once the kids are maybe a little bit older, I you know I could see him returning to a full-time World Series schedule and uh, making another push for player of the year, or at least multiple bracelets. And I think it's actually funny, because going into 2017, there was, a I believe, a prop bet out that he had issued um, that he would at least get a bracelet. That he was so confident that he was going to get a bracelet that he set out a prop bet out there. Um on, on um bracelets uh prior to that was mike Gorodinsky, who i believe in 2015 did win the poker players championship but let's let's take a look at this for instance eight caches three final tables one bracelet before that was george Danzer. i'm not sure who that is but hell of a run here three bracelets on five final tables for a winning percentage of 60 percent and 10 caches Prior to that was Daniel Negreanu winning his second in 2013, his second player of the year, where he went two for four at final tables, winning two bracelets with 10 cashes, just over $2 million in in uh, earnings that year. Greg Merson, um, which was awesome, and I mean, rightfully so, he ended up cleaning out winning the last two bracelets of the, or at least a lot, pardon me, or at least the last two holding ones, uh, winning the last two 10K events. He won the 10K six max and the main event back-to-back. Um, at the end of the, uh, schedule, um, which represented two of his only four caches that year of the world series. Uh, but if you're going to do caches, that's the way to do it. He had two final tables winning both of them. So he went two for two for a hundred percent, uh, and scoring over $9.7 million in tournament earnings that year And 2011 was Ben lamb, five caches, four final tables, one bracelet. Now, The other thing I want to remind people of is the schedule has grown exponentially over the last few years. I believe even in 2016, it was like 50 events. Then it went up to like 60 and 70. Um, By 2018, it was over 70. This past year, I mean, 83 bracelets in Vegas. So it has grown considerably. Uh, Frank Casella went two for three in 2010 with six caches. Three final tables, two bracelets, 1.2 million. Uh, Jeffrey Lissandro... Um, had a heck of a run here in uh, 2009, uh, with six caches, four final tables, and three bracelets. Um, and then after that, I mean, it, it, it kind of goes down. Now, the interesting one here is there was a time in 20, in 2007, when three caches was enough to win new player of the year, Tom Schneider had three caches, granted they were all final tables and won two of them. So they were two bracelets there. Daniel Negreanu, when he won the first player of the year in 2004, had six caches, five final tables, and a bracelet. Uh, So, I mean, it's just, I think now as the schedule grows, and I predict this year we're going to see either, we're going to see a minimum of, again, 80 events, I think, in Vegas. Um, The World Series Poker continues to grow, especially as you have these value events, as they say. I do see a situation where we could be pushing the 90 mark uh, in terms of events. Player of the year, whatever formula you they use, and there's been a lot of discussion and different arguments for the for the um, for uh, the, the formula they use, um, as well as the buy-ins at the World Series, there's been players that have spoken out against these value events saying that, hey, this is not what the World Series of Poker was meant to be. World Series of Poker was meant to be a mid to high stakes tournament series. I get all of that. I 100% do. Um, I also understand that in today's economy and today's poker economy, a lot of players are backed. Um, and I know, and I've and I've watched, I watched a documentary, a mini documentary on YouTube where, I mean, these are name brand poker players that have said they wouldn't be able to do what they do if they didn't have a backer. So, I mean, I met, so backing is a is a is a thing in poker. And I mean, if I could have a backer, a 100% full-time backer that backed me to play a full World Series of Poker schedule, I would love to make a serious push at player of the year where I could focus, and it does take a pressure off of you, knowing that, hey, for this 83 events or whatever it is, I don't actually have to worry about the money aspect of this. I just have to go and play the best possible tournament poker in these various events. I would love that pressure to be taken off my shoulders. I would love for that to be my situation. That would be a hell of a reality. Um, however, uh, so I mean, maybe it's something I try to find that would be awesome. Uh, to find backer or backers to allow me to do that. But um, the other side of it is that some players have also said that They want those higher buy-in events to be more rewarded saying that, well, it is typically the best of the best. And if you are good enough to play those events, you can find a way to get the money in there. So you'd find a back or you'd win your way in whatever it is. I can understand. I I see the argument. I don't necessarily side with it, but I understand it. Nonetheless, whatever the formula is that they use, it rewards one thing above all else. Consistency, especially as the number of events grow. We're seeing that there's a new bar being set as to what it takes to win player of the year. I honestly don't think, I mean, unless you can somehow push for 30 caches. Um, I don't really see many ways in which a player does not win player or that a player can win player of the year without having Either A, a bracelet, or B, if you don't get a bracelet, you have to have multiple, and I mean multiple, final tables. I think you need to be, to not have a bracelet and win player of the year, I think you have to have a situation there where you're seeing about 30 caches in and around four to seven final tables, would be my prediction, Uh, mathematically, in terms of getting player of the year without a bracelet. It does reward first places. Um, again, I think even with bracelets, unless you win the main event, um, <coughs> pardon me, unless you win that main event, I do think it's, there's a formula there, which requires somewhere in the mar in the area of 20 caches, a bracelet and four to five final tables. If, if a bracelet is present, I think it needs to represent one of 20 or so caches and one of four or more final tables. I think it's just the competition is going to stiffen up. Um, now that you're seeing some of these freeze outs though, now that they're limiting the amount of buy-ins and rebuys into tournaments, um, especially at that value level, it also now kind of evens out the playing field as well. Now all of a sudden guys that were like, well, fuck, I'm just going to go and play some of these value events. That I I feel that the field is going to be weaker. I can get that min cash. Now, all of a sudden, you can't fire eight bullets at it. Now, all of a sudden, your number of entries is limited. And I think that in turn, and that's why for me personally, I do see an interest in wanting to make a battle for player of the year. I've long viewed myself, and especially the last few years, prided myself on consistency you know, and I've always said, I prefer, you know, I'd rather get eliminated trying to win than just, you know, kind of drip into the the cash. I understand that, but I also understand that playing to win, I play to get as far as I can in tournaments. And I pride myself on my ability to be consistently in that top 20, top 10% of the field whenever I play. That is a big point of pride for me. And, um, Oh, I feel a sneeze coming on here, but, oh, I might fight it off. Anyway, I do see that. And and for me, that's why things like Player of the Year now, as you evolve in your career, kind of do take a little bit of a, you know what, that is something I want to do. I know Negreanu has talked about the last few years how that's a big goal for him. Two bracelets and a Player of the Year. He wants every year two to three bracelets and Player of the Year. And he always talks about how he sees a way to get that. Now, this past year, I think he was runner-up in at least two events. Um, There was a hold'em event and a stud event. Um, The stud event in which he um, was runner-up to John Hennigan. Uh, I'm going to try and find it here. I think it was 10K stud that he was runner-up to Hennigan. Yeah, 10K seven-card stud. Um, Yeah, where he had um, beaten Daniel Negreanu. And then Daniel Negreanu, I think, also was runner-up as I keep going here uh, through bracelet winners. Uh, let's see. Um, bear with me here, everyone, as I try to find it. Um, it was a higher roller event. Yes! No, was it that? Not to Brandon Adams say it was later then. yes the hundred K no limit hold high roller Um, which I mean is a hell of a buy-in and that's where I guess players start to say well if I'm paying a hundred bucks I think there's $100,000 <sighs> there should be more there should be more play the Europe ones whatever it is nonetheless Keith Tilston won that Uh again Daniel Negreanu was runner-up there so he's come close um, and I think even last year or the year before he was, um, runner up in a $1,500 or $1,000 Omaha high low, maybe it was even the 10k Omaha high low, I think is one of the first bracelets. Uh, one of the, f- back then was at least one of the early, uh, bracelets, but it might've been the $1,500 Omaha high low. Uh, cause right here it was event number four. Uh, but nonetheless, <clears throat> he did, uh, he's had some close calls so I can see why he keeps saying like, look, I think I'm on that brink. Uh, with that being said, I mean, I can use the same argument in the last three years. Um, I have the exact same number of bracelets as Daniel Negranu. Like that's reality. That is a fact over the last three to four years. Um, yeah, I think, I don't think Negreanu won one in 2016, but let's say at least since 2017, Um, I have had the exact same number of bracelets as Daniel Negreanu, just like, you know, so I mean, granted, I have no runner ups. I still have the exact same number of firsts. So, uh, maybe it's, you know what? It's my time. That's right. It's my fucking time. If I can find, if I can make a way to make it happen, I'm going to try and get player of the year this year. But nonetheless, I think it's going to be interesting going into this year. Um... I don't see Sean Deeb tailing off at all. I think him and Negreanu are going to be battling this out again this year. Um, I do think, again, Chris Ferguson is going to find a way into that top 10. The guy has been super consistent. Three straight years of 20 or more cashes. How do you compute that? And again, now you're starting to see some other guys coming up. Uh, Joseph Chong cracking the top 15. Um, Dash Dudley winning bracelet in um, Vegas. I think he had a good run or maybe won a second bracelet, possibly, in, uh, Europe, Kale Burns winning two bracelets in Europe. You know, you, y- y- you, you, just seen that. I-, I don't know guys like Michael Mizraki. I don't think they play enough events, um, in all honesty to have a shot at it. Um, but again, he's the favorite to win the PPC one at three times. So it's going to be an interesting year, but, um, as I was saying at the beginning of the episode, other places now are starting to offer player of the uh, of the year, player of the series, um, and the biggest one, the first one I can I, I want to talk or the one I want to talk about, and the first one to be doing it this year is the L.A. Poker Classic, uh, which I wish I had gone down and played. Um, but they are having um they're awarding over they're awarding fifty thousand dollars um for player of the series, so they're awarding ten thousand dollars for the best no limit hold'em player. $10,000 for the best mixed game, non no limit hold'em players. $10,000 for the best mega satellite players. So, those are the multi table satellites. And $20,000 for the best overall player. Now, I'm not sure how that's good, what the qualification is, but I'm imagining it again, some kind of point system. But again, consistency being rewarded. Um, it's that idea. Do you want to have one win and then no other caches? Or do you want to have 20, 30 caches and be shown that, hey, you know what? My 20 caches, my five final tables show that, yes, I am an elite poker player. And I think now that you're starting to recognize that consistency, you're going to have players strive for it, especially that there's a cash prize for it. Um, and I mean, feasibly, you could have a situation there where someone does take I mean, 40 out of that possible 50, uh, where they get the no limit, the mixed game, and the best overall. I could see a situation where you do have one person get an extra forty grand in their pocket. Not a bad way to start your January. But anyway, um, Player of the Year, I think, has a spot in poker. I think it, it should be making its way into more series. I would love to see it going into this summer at the Famous Goliath at the Venetian deep stack championship, at the wind summer classic, even the Orleans, any of these places that have summer series, I think it would be an interesting thing to instill now and a great way to kind of bring in players. Now players aren't jumping around between venues. I find myself doing that, you know, jumping venue here to there to here. Now, if all of a sudden you're awarding player of the series, you're gonna have players that are gonna commit to playing your series um you could have it at the aria classic golden nugget so again it is something that i don't think is going to weigh and i'm going to predict that this year it's going to get bigger and going into next year it's going to get even bigger and it's something i think that is going to have from a marketing perspective has tremendous value um to any venue having a poker series um and just from the player's perspective and the community's perspective it's a great way of injecting some cash back into the poker community um anyway Uh, For all of you that are playing in various events right now, there is the L.A. Poker Classic going on down in L.A. There's also the uh, World Cup of Cards happening right now in Montreal at Playground Poker. Um, Best of luck to all of you. Wishing you all the best. um, And congratulations to all of you um, who have won or are winning events or will go on to win events. Um, Here's a pre-congratulations to you. But uh, keep grinding hard. Uh, Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at thedudesunnyd. Anyway, I thank you so much for tuning in this episode and the continued and growing support here on the Seems Legit Podcast. Follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at thedudesunnyd. Take care and bye-bye for now.